The Labyrinth of Gar by Sue Merry. Episode 4 Welcome, dear children, everywhere. Are you ready for the next episode of The Labyrinth of Gar? Are you comfortable and cosy? Now, just relax and listen to the story. Chapter 5 The girls had to run very quickly in order to keep up with the tree sprite. Luckily, it was not for very long, as the tree sprite soon stopped. Here we are, he announced proudly. Aren't not me clever? Oh, yes, said Sarah quickly. Very, very clever indeed. Um, but, uh, over there, silly pants. The tree sprite was pointing directly at a very small, thin, rather ill-looking tree. Sarah and Katie walked over to the tree and then looked back at the tree sprite in a state of great puzzlement. But the tree sprite had completely vanished. They just do that sometimes, and they are very good at it, I can tell you. The girls looked at the rather pathetic tree again. How could this be anybody's house? Katie was hungry and tired and very fed up. She kicked the tree as hard, as hard, as hard. The next thing that happened was very strange indeed and had the two girls running for cover and diving under a bush. First of all, the tiny tree began to shake and shake most violently. Then it began to swell, getting fatter and fatter and taller and taller. Bright colours flashed all around it and the tree itself also began to change colour. First it was tree-coloured, then it went red, and then orange, and then lots and lots of different colours, all one after the other. Yellow, green, blue, violet and gold. The girls were dazzled and closed their eyes. When at last they opened them again, trembling with fear, they saw an amazing sight. The tree was now the most humongous tree there has ever been. And not only that, it was rainbow-coloured. Just imagine it. It was the most beautiful thing that either of the girls had ever seen. And as they watched, a big wooden door slowly began to appear in the side of the tree very faintly at first, but then very clearly. It was the type of door that you might see in the wall of a castle or palace, and it had a large shiny brass knocker that was just asking to be knocked. Wow, said Sarah. Crikey, said Katie. Slowly they approached the fantastical tree, their eyes wide, their mouths open, their hearts booming like drums in their ears. Without stopping to think, both girls automatically reached out their hands and touched the tree trunk. 
It was warm and soft and really strange, a bit like fur, but not quite. Sarah took hold of the knocker. Shall we? she asked Katie. Ah, uh, I-, I think so, but... Sarah gingerly tapped the huge knocker against the door, but it made no sound. So she lifted it back a bit further and tried again. Nothing. This time she pulled the knocker back as far as it would go and swung it hard against the door. It didn't even make the tiniest sound. Absolutely nothing. Nil. Zero. Weird, said Sarah. Creepy, agreed Katie. I think we'd better go away now, she added, beginning to feel uneasy again. Just then they heard a voice shouting from inside the tree. It was a little muffled, but very clear. All right, all right. I'm coming as quickly as I can. There's no need to batter the door down. Have some patience, will you? The huge wooden door was suddenly snatched open and standing before our two heroines was, well, no one, actually. What do you want? said the same voice as before, but not muffled now. The girls said nothing but squinted into the darkness beyond the doorway, trying to see who was talking. Come on, come on, don't just stand there like a couple of rabbit pies. How rude, said Sarah to Katie. Oh, I haven't even begun to start yet, warned the voice. Oh, yeah, said Sarah, in an I'm ready for a fight sort of way. Yeah, replied the voice in a okay then come on and fight me sort of way. Uh, I'm very afraid um, we, we, we can't see you, Katie chipped in meekly, hoping to calm the situation down a little. Of course you can't see me, said the voice scornfully. You stupid girl rabbit thing. Now are you going to tell me what you want or do I shut the door? I'm going to sock you one, Sarah shouted, and she tried to rush in through the doorway. But she hit something invisible, something that felt like elastic, and she boinged backwards, flying through the air and landing in a bush. Ha, ha, hardy ha, said the voice triumphantly. The door began to close. Katie was desperate. We're here to see Arthur, she said quickly. The door stopped closing. Names, asked the voice abruptly. Sarah and Katie, the door slammed shut. Katie turned sadly to Sarah, who was still struggling to untangle herself from the bush. Oh dear Sarah, what do we do now? Just then the door flew open again. This time there was no voice, and beyond the doorway there was light. The two girls looked at each other and then approached the doorway slowly, holding hands. Very carefully, they stepped through the doorway and looked around. They were at the top of some stairs. The stairs were covered in a thick red carpet and the walls were papered with red and gold wallpaper, the sort of paper that feels rough and hairy when you touch it. Still holding hands, but with Sarah going first, they started to descend the stairs. Chapter 6 The stairs seemed to go on forever and ever, twisting round and round. 
Finally, they reached a white door that was covered in beautiful, swirly patterns made from real gold. They stopped. There were two choices. One, go through the door and perhaps find Arthur and food, or perhaps something very nasty. Two, go back, feeling very, very hungry. Not much of a choice, really. Sarah and Katie gently pushed the door and it swung open. They went through. The corridor that they found was very much like the one before. Red carpet, furry wallpaper, but no more stairs. There was something very strange about it, though. Voices. Not children or adults or tree sprites or flying squirrels or duck-billed platypuses or terrible green and blue monsters. Just voices. There were high voices and low voices and loud voices and soft voices and they were all making the most terrible racket imaginable. And one of the voices sounded horribly familiar. And so I said to them, I haven't got all day, you know. Well, you should have heard what... The voice suddenly stopped and then began again. Oh, look who's here. Glad you could make it. Took you long enough, though, didn't it? Sarah and Katie were sure that they could also hear sniggering in the background. You'd better follow me, then, continued the voice snottily. If it's not too much trouble, more sniggering. The girls continued on along the corridor. All the voices were quiet now, but occasionally one would say something like, Nice ears and there would be a bit more sniggering. It isn't very pleasant to be able to hear lots of voices, but to be unable to see anyone. And so both girls were quiet and watchful. Soon they passed a door that was all the colours of the rainbow. They'd only gone a few paces when the voice, which now seemed to be behind them, snorted loudly and said, Where are you going now? I thought you wanted to see Arthur. We do, said Katie. She held on to Sarah's arm very tightly as Sarah began to show signs of losing her temper again. Well, you'd better knock on the door then, hadn't you? Katie tapped on the door and it opened almost at once. Katie screamed and leapt backwards. There before them stood a huge, dog-like, boy-like thingy. Sarah also screamed, but she leapt forwards and flung her arms around the neck of the odd creature and hugged it tightly. Arthy, Arthy, Arthy! she laughed happily. The dog-like thing hugged Sarah and stepped back, swinging her around and around, and also laughing. How did you find me? the creature wanted to know. Don't ask, replied Sarah. Then she remembered about Katie. This is my friend Katie. Katie, this is Prince Arthur. Ahem, said the voice. Yes, um, thank you, Tibbs. Off you go now, said Arthur rather dismissively. Katie was sure that she heard the voice mutter something very rude indeed as it passed by her. What is that? Sarah asked. Come inside, laughed Arthur. They followed Arthur into an enormous room. The floor was covered in a thick green carpet that looked just like grass. The ceiling was so high that it was impossible to see it, and puffs of white smoke floated in the air, looking very like clouds. At first they thought that there was no furniture in the room, just piles of rubbish. 
Old shopping trolleys, tractor wheels, oil drums, bones, that sort of thing. Sit, said Arthur. Then he began to laugh. <laughs> You're wondering where to sit, aren't you? Well, began Sarah. The prince laughed again so hard that he had an unexpected fit of barking. <laughs> when he noticed how alarmed Katie was looking, he managed to stop himself and apologised. Um, I've been doing a bit of sorting out. Most sorry. I'll go fetch the hoover. For the first time, the two girls noticed the walls of the huge room. They were covered with strange paintings. In all of the pictures, there was a handsome young man wearing a bright silver suit of armour. He mostly seemed to be hacking various creatures to death with his sword. Katie didn't recognise any of the creatures in the paintings, but then, as we've already found out, she knew nothing about nature. Arthur suddenly pulled one of the pictures with both hands and it came forward from the wall and the girls realised that it was actually a very large drawer. Arthur reached inside the drawer and pulled out one end of a wide pipe. He flicked a switch on the wall and there was a great roaring noise and all the assorted junk in the room flew up the pipe and completely disappeared. Arthur put the pipe away, closed the drawer and dusted himself off. Good dog, he said. Phew! That was hard work. Anybody hungry? What a question. Sit, continued Arthur. The room now looked very different. The green carpet was now red, and instead of clouds, there was a beautiful ceiling of carved wood. In the centre of the room was a big table with three chairs. The table was set with a white cloth, but nothing else. Oh, except for a large empty blue bowl right in the middle. They all sat. Sarah and Katie looked expectantly at Arthur. He smiled back at them and then handed Katie the large blue bowl. It had the name Arthur written around the outside. Katie stared at the bowl. It really reminded her of something. What was it? You start, Katie. Katie looked at Arthur, looked at the empty bowl, and then looked back at Arthur with a very scowly expression on her face. Arthur gave a little laugh. It's... <laughs> it's a wish dish, he said, as if that explained everything. Katie and Sarah looked at him blankly. What would you really, really like to eat? Arthur asked Katie. Without thinking for even a tiny squidge of a second, Katie immediately replied, Double whammy cheeseburger, six portions of mega fries, two giant chocolate shakes and a pickled egg. A pickled egg? repeated Sarah, looking horrified. Katie can order whatever she wants, Arthur said. Now, look in the wish dish, Katie. Good girl. A bright glow filled the wish dish, and the smell of burger and fries filled the room. Katie looked inside and then reached in her hand and pulled out a large brown paper bag. She opened the bag and smiled. Guess what was in there? Right, first time. How did you do that? asked Sarah in amazement. Arthur just smiled and asked Katie to pass the dish on to Sarah. Katie had both of her hands and her mouth full of burger, and so she rather rudely shoved the wish dish over to Sarah with her elbow. Sarah grabbed hold of the dish and said, Roast potatoes, carrots, strawberry jelly, ice cream, lemonade and rabbit pie. Oh, Sarah, how could you? exclaimed Katie through a zillion fries, all sticking out of her mouth at weird angles. Arthur started to laugh loudly until he had another fit of barking. <laughs> 
Are you whoo, sure that you rabbit pie, Sarah? Whoo, whoo. Sarah looked puzzled for a moment and scratched her head. The first thing that she felt was a furry rabbit ear. Her face went bright red and Arthur laughed and barked even louder and even Katie began to join in now, but not the barking bit. By now the wish dish was full of the food that Sarah had ordered. She looked at it doubtfully, then her tummy rumbled loudly and she smiled and said, Oh well, who cares? Then, in between large mouthfuls of food, the girls managed to tell Arthur about all the adventures they'd had so far. Bow wow, was all that Arthur could say when they'd finished. It's your turn now, furry chops, said Sarah. Tell us all about this place. Katie was a little shocked by the way that Sarah spoke to Arthur. She thought it was a bit rude to call him furry chops. She wondered again exactly what sort of creature he was. His face was quite like a brown furry dog's face, but also quite like a human's face. There was no fur on his neck as far as Katie could see, and his hands weren't furry either. In fact, they were slender, and the skin was pale, almost white really. Most odd. He didn't seem to have a tail, but he did have floppy ears like a Labrador. He was wearing a white shirt without a collar and baggy white trousers. His feet seemed quite human-shaped, but Katie couldn't be totally sure because he was wearing black canvas shoes. Arthur began to tell them about the voice, or Tibbs, as he called it. Oh, Tibbs is a strange fellow, but a good boy, really. He and his pack are called Speakers, and they prowl all over the place. I give them a kennel in the magic tree here, and in return they answer the door, take messages, that sort of thing. Ever since this dog thing happened to me, I don't go walkies so much anymore, and so Tibbs is very useful to me. Sarah looked carefully at Arthur. Yes, it's definitely got worse, Arthy. Did you have those floppy ears last time we met? I don't think so. But the main problem's my behaviour. The more dog-like I am to look at, the more I want to behave like a dog. It makes me want to howl sometimes, it really does. Katie was incredibly, amazingly fascinated by this conversation. What sort of things do you want to do? She asked in a voice full of wonder and awe. I sometimes have this incredible craving for a nice juicy bone. Pretty gross, really. Oh, I don't suppose you'd happen to have one with you at all. No, of course you wouldn't, sorry. But it's when I go out that there's a real problem. I'm always looking around for someone who'll throw a stick for me. And the last time I went walkies, I had this incredible urge to chase a rabbit. Most undignified. Oh, then Arthur saw that the two girls were looking very nervous and he realised what he had said. Oh no, you mustn't worry. Please, girls, I beg you. I would never chase after you. You may have rabbit ears, but you're a very, very long way from being total bunnies. Oh, thanks a lot, doghead, smiled Sarah. Katie was desperate to ask Arthur a very personal question, but was too shy to say it. Then she had an idea. She quietly said to herself, Stop. See. Breathe. Soft and tall. My head is a floaty balloon. My shoulders are runny custard. At once, she began to feel taller and found herself breathing more deeply and slowly. Then she felt calmer and was able to say, How did you get to be like this? 
I was a very foolish, proud, silly, stupid boy. I thought that I was above all the other creatures in the land just because I was a handsome prince. Oh, blimey, I remember that, added Sarah. You were a right pain. I believed that I had the power of life and death over all the other creatures. I would stride into the wood, swishing my sword, hacking down anything that crossed my path, until some of the creatures disappeared completely from the wood and then from the rest of the land as well. Katie was listening very intently now, her bunny ears twitching slightly with the effort. Arthur had mentioned the rest of the land. Katie had thought that the wood was it. After the wood, no more adventure, she'd thought. No more odd things leaping bushily or muddily about, or chatting away without a body. Just back to ordinary people and stuff. But no, there was a rest of the land somewhere out there. What was that going to be like? What lived out there? But Arthur was still telling his story. Then I made a terrible mistake. As there was nothing really big and scary left to kill, I'd begun to chase after smaller, harmless animals. One day I found a small dog wandering about. The poor chap was obviously lost, and when it saw me it came trotting up, wagging its tail sort of thing. I'm really ashamed of what I did next. I don't think I want to hear any more, said Katie, looking upset and trying not to think about her long-lost kitten. Quite, said Arthur quietly. Anyway, the dog had an owner, and the owner happened to be the old woman of the Yellow Hills. She soon found out what I'd done, and she cast this spell on me. Only she can take it off again. She's an expert at animal spells. Until I can find a way to make her forgive me, I will continue to slowly, slowly change into a dog, until one day... Here Arthur stopped. There was silence for a while. Then Arthur seemed to cheer up again and said, Would you both like a kennel? Uh, I, I mean, like to stay the night? I was hoping you'd ask that, said Sarah at once. We'd love to, wouldn't we, Katie? This was not really a question because Sarah did not wait for an answer. But Katie was feeling too tired and mixed up to argue anyway. Arthur took hold of another picture on the wall. He pulled hard and outslid another drawer. Arthur reached into the drawer and brought out three small boxes. He handed one each to Sarah and Katie, and he kept one for himself. He told them to open their boxes. Sarah opened her box first and immediately disappeared. Katie looked at her box in horror. Don't be scared, said Arthur. He spoke so kindly and his voice was so soft that Katie at once felt very safe. She opened her box. Immediately she found herself standing in a beautiful huge bedroom. There was a massive bed before her that looked so soft and cosy, and in front of a blazing fire there was a large tub of hot soapy water and a big fluffy towel. Everything was so snug and welcoming and warm and safe and just totally excellent. Later, as Katie sank into the huge bed with the covers up to her nose, she thought about all the things that had happened that day. Was it really the same day that had started in front of the telly in her little house? Had she really been so grumpy and miserable and bored? She looked up at the ceiling. It didn't look like a ceiling. It looked like the sky, full of stars. She was even sure that the stars were twinkling, and as she watched, a bright light moved across them. 
trailing a fiery tail, a comet was blazing across the sky, and Katie was following it up and away and into her dreams.